So we were discussing what a conceptual understanding is. And we saw that basically in addition to apprehending something correctly and decisively through the medium of a audio category and a meaning category talking about conceptual and it's uh, that we have in the background there we've worked out all the implications we've applied it in various uh, situations and so on we've put it together with a lot of other teachings a lot of other things und äh, dass wir auch äh, die äh, Implikationen äh, dieses äh, Verständnisses in der Vergangenheit schon ausgearbeitet haben und äh, dieses, äh, diese äh, Sache auch in äh, Verbindung gesetzt haben zu den äh, vielen anderen äh, Lehrreden, die wir erhalten haben. And our cognition, our focus on, we're using the example of voidness, is held by the force of all these latencies of this, the potentials from it. There's one way of explaining it. There's another way of explaining it, but we won't <laughs> deal with that. That's more complicated. And the more implications we've worked out, the deeper our understanding will be. So now the question is how do we understand something non conceptually? And now this gets a little bit complicated. What we explained before was not <laughs> as complicated. <laughs> not that complicated, more complicated things, but this is uh, very, very interesting actually. But we hear so much in the Buddhist teachings, you have to have a non-conceptual cognition of voidness, of the Four Noble Truths, and so on. This is the big goal, isn't it? And we have no idea what that means. <laughs> Right, we hear the word accurately, decisively. No idea what it means, really. Not even the meaning, let alone understanding the meaning. Uh, 
So, to understand this, we need to uh, describe progressive stages. Okay, so let's use an example of a baby. And there's a dog in front of the baby. Baby sees the dog. Okay, now the dog can apprehend, I mean, the, the dog, the baby. <laughs> the dog apprehends as well. Yeah, dog sees the baby. But uh, <laughs> the baby can apprehend non-conceptually this thing that it's seeing. So what does the baby see? Okay, the baby sees colored shapes. Right? Now, we have the... What I will explain now is the Galupa explanation, Tsongkhapa's explanation. Non-Galupas don't agree with this, so we will leave that aside. This is the Tsongkhapa's explanation. You should be quite aware that Tsongkhapa was really a revolutionary. He questioned and reinterpreted and re-explained almost everything. So, according to Tsongkhapa, the baby does not, you know, non-conceptually, the baby doesn't just see disjointed colored shapes. And it doesn't just see disjointed one second pictures. Yeah, one second one thing, and then the next second another thing, and they're, they're not related to each other. The baby doesn't see that. The baby sees the whole that they constitute, both spatially and temporally. No, no, that the colored shapes, moment to moment, that are changing, that the thing is moving, that it sees a whole thing, not just disjointed parts and disjointed colored shapes. Right? This is non-conceptual. Others say it's conceptual. Tsongkhapa says this is non-conceptual. You see the whole. You don't just see parts. Und, uh, anderen, uh, 
der Ansicht, dass das eine nicht konzeptuelle Wahrnehmung ist. Right, these are known as collection syntheses, synthesizes, collection of parts and temporal frames into a, a whole item. Und das wird beschrieben mit einer Ansammlung, die irgendwie eine Synthese schafft aus verschiedenen räumlichen und zeitlichen Teilen. So, in other words, the baby can distinguish some of the colored shapes in the visual sense field as constituting an individual item. Constitute individual item that's a synthesis of colored shapes, parts such as legs, head, tail, puts it all together into one item. Das heißt, dem kind, Kleinkind ist es möglich, aus seinem äh, Sinnesfeld äh, ein, äh, äh, einen individuellen äh, Gegenstand äh, herauszuheben, äh, der aus äh, verschiedenen äh, Teilen besteht, wie ein And a synthesis of at least several moments of perception, like when the animal is moving, it sees different colored shapes, doesn't it? So it actually does see a whole, an item, a whole item, non-conceptual. Und äh, diese, äh, dieses Kleinkind sieht äh, dann also äh, tatsächlich äh, nicht äh, bloß äh, einzelne äh, Momente, sondern synthetisiert auch also eine Anzahl von äh, verschiedenen äh, Momenten zu einem äh, Ganzen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Otherwise, very difficult to make sense of uh, what we perceive, isn't it? Was nicht Sinn machen würde, dann wäre es sehr äh, schwer. Okay, now, also when the baby sees these colored shapes, it distinguishes the characteristic features of what kind of item it is. In this case, the characteristic features of a dog. We've had our discussion of characteristic features, but just conventionally, it sees the characteristic uh, features. This is called a kind synthesis. What kind of thing it is. It's called a kind synthesis. What is the child seeing, the baby seeing? It's actually seeing, is seeing a dog. Not just seeing colored shapes. It's not just seeing a whole item. It also is seeing a dog, isn't it? And what the child then in the effect is Wirklich, äh, es nimmt ja wirklich einen Hund wahr. Es äh, nimmt äh, nicht äh, nur farbige Formen wahr oder eine äh, Ganzheit von äh, verschiedenen Teilen, sondern es äh, nimmt tatsächlich einen äh, Hund. Right, whether it knows that it's a dog or not is something else. But you'd have to say that it is seeing a whole notable, whole knowable item, and what it's seeing is a dog, wouldn't you? A whole knowable item. It's common sense. The part about the whole, whole knowable item. Whole knowable, a validly knowable thing, validly knowable item. And what is it? It's a dog. Okay. 
Das Kind äh, nur, äh, nimmt äh, dabei nämlich ein, ein, ein ganzes und äh, gültiges äh, Ding äh, wahr, das äh, wir als Hund beschreiben können. So, more technically, it sees the characteristic features of a dog. And something that has these characteristic features, namely a dog. Right? You can't have characteristic features and something having these characteristic features that those two things can't exist independently of each other. Hmm. Right, the thing that has, not the word basis, the thing that has these characteristics. So Zen or Zen Yi and Zen Chen having it. So, and these two things cannot appear separately from each other. Und äh, diese zwei äh, Dinge, äh, nämlich das äh, Kennzeichen und das, was das äh, Kennzeichen Merkmal hat, die können nicht getrennt voneinander existieren. Okay, do you follow this? Characteristic features of a dog. Well, it's a convention, isn't it? But, like our example of uh, the 12 eggs being divisible into three or four or so on, there are these characteristic features. But you can't have a character, you know, divisible into four. That can't appear by itself. You have to have something, you know, which has that characteristic. Twelve eggs. You can't have one without the other. Both have to appear. That means this characteristic Merkmal, that is bloß eine Konvention, so wie wir auch gesehen haben im Beispiel der zwölf Eier. Die man eben in drei äh, oder vier teilen kann, zum Beispiel. Die Tatsache aber, dass äh, sich äh, diese zwölf in äh, vier äh, aufteilen äh, lassen, das äh, ist äh, nichts äh, von. Äh, dass, äh, diese Tatsache erscheint nicht für sich selbst, das heißt nicht unabhängig, äh, kann nicht äh, unabhängig von diesen zwölf äh, Eiern erscheinen sondern diese zwei Dinge, das heißt das charakteristische Merkmal und das, was das charakteristische Merkmal hat, erscheinen immer gemeinsam. Wie war das? So weit, so klar. Okay, so, characteristic features, so if it's seen characteristic features of a dog, tail and all these sort of things, then seeing the dog. Das heißt, äh, um hier in unserem Beispiel äh, zu bleiben, wenn äh, das äh, Kleinkind äh, die char charakteristischen Hundes wahrnimmt, dann muss es gleichzeitig auch immer einen Hund haben. So, the baby doesn't have to know what this thing is in order to see a dog. <lacht> Does it? Does it? Das heißt, das Kind äh, muss äh, nicht wissen, was ein Hund ist, um einen Hund äh, wahrzunehmen, oder? <lacht> Okay, so now more technically. Remember, we discussed a little bit before mental labeling. There's a basis for the label, and there's a label. Wenn wir das noch ein bisschen technischer werden, haben wir vorher über dieses geistige Zuschreiben gesprochen. 
Und äh, bei diesen geistigen äh, Zuschreibungen äh, gibt es immer, äh, there's a label and there's a, a basis for labeling. Ja. Äh, gibt es diese äh, geistigen Zuschreibungen und es gibt die Basis, auf deren geschrieben werden. So, with mental labeling there's actually three things that are involved. Right. There is the label, there's the basis for labeling, and then there's what the label refers to in terms of that basis. Und äh, dann gibt es noch äh, das, äh, worauf sich diese geistige Zuschreibung äh, bezieht, im Sinne seiner Basis. There's the label orange. There's the basis, this frequency of light between this number and that number. So, what is orange? Orange is what the word orange refers to on the basis of these frequencies. Orange is not the same as the frequencies, is it? No, let's give another example. You see pictures of yourself spanning your life. And what am I seeing? I'm seeing, in my case, Alex. Is Alex just identical with one of those pictures? The five-year-old, or the twenty-year-old, or the fifty-year-old? No. Und äh, dieser Alex wird der identisch sein mit äh, bloß äh, einer äh, dieser äh, Bilder, nämlich äh, einem äh, der Bilder, als äh, ich fünf Jahre alt war, als ich 20 Jahre alt, 50 Jahre alt war. No, Alex is what the word Alex refers to on the basis of all these pictures, isn't it? Alex ist äh, vielmehr das, worauf sich äh, das Wort Alex bezieht auf der Basis äh, von allen diesen äh, verschiedenen Bildern. I'm just looking at pictures. Colored shapes on a piece of paper. These colored shapes on the piece of paper, Alex? No, this is ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> but we, I'm seeing Alex. So what does Alex refer to? Alex. <laughs> Follow that? That's very profound, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's often our problem, that we uh, uh, confuse what uh, a label refers to with the basis. In Tibetan, the dakshu and the dakshi. Das, äh, 
Wenn wir ihm folgen können, das ist eigentlich schon sehr tiefgründig und oft ist es so, dass man dabei den Fehler macht, dass man die Basis der Zuschreibung verwechselt mit dem, was der Referent der Zuschreibung ist. Ja, digest that for a moment. I think this example with uh, seeing photographs of yourself is a good example. So, a basis for labeling and what a label refers to do not exist independently of a mental label. The three arise dependently on each other. But although these three do not exist independently of each other, the baby doesn't know the mental label dog. It sees what the label dog refers to and it sees the basis for that label is colored shapes and characteristic features but it doesn't know the mental label it doesn't know what it is so the baby doesn't have to know that it's called a dog or what it's called in order to see a dog. In other words, the baby doesn't need to mentally label dog or say the word dog in its mind or even know what the word dog means in order to see a dog. Right? As babies, we had to learn the category dog and the name dog and its meaning. As a kind, we first learned that actually is very difficult if you think about it there's so many different kinds of dogs the Chihuahua, German Shepherd, Cocker Spaniel I mean, how in the world as a child do you know to put them all into the category dog very interesting process isn't it <laughs> Und äh, das ist gar nicht so trivial, als ich das vielleicht denken würde, denn äh, tatsächlich gibt es ja so viele verschiedene Arten von Hunden. Es gibt äh, den äh, Schäferhund, äh, den äh, Dackel und so weiter und so fort. Und wie ist es, dass das Kind äh, lernt, dass alle diese verschiedenen äh, in die Kategorie Hund einzuteilen sind? Es ist ein sehr spannender Prozess. Just as a side, it has to do with exclusion of what it's not. Das ist ein ganz interessanter Prozess, den man sich hier auch nebenbei anschauen kann, denn in diesem Prozess wird jeweils ausgeschlossen, worum es sich dabei nicht handelt. A little baby thinks that everything is food and puts everything in its mouth. So how does the baby learn to exclude certain things that this is not food? Interesting, isn't it? But you have to learn that as a baby, obviously. 
Kinder sind ja dafür bekannt, dass sie äh, alles äh, in den äh, Mund nehmen. Und äh, das äh, machen sie auch äh, vielleicht vor dem äh, Hintergrund, um eben äh, ausschließen zu lernen, was alles äh, nicht äh, Nahrung ist. Äh, diese Sache muss man erst lernen als Kind. So, this is a conceptual process for the, for the baby to learn the category dog and the, the name dog and what it means. Und äh, das äh, ist also der äh, konzeptuelle Prozess für ein äh, Kleinkind, äh, um äh, zu lernen, was äh, die Kategorie äh, Hund äh, ist, worauf sie sich äh, bezieht äh, und äh, was äh, deren äh, Referenz ist. So now we learn the category dog, we learn the word for it and so on. So now when we see a dog accurately and decisively, we could cognize it conceptually in the next moment both accurately and decisively through the category dog. Und, um, when we see a dog accurately and decisively. Wenn wir einen uh, Hund also jetzt uh, genau und uh, mit Sicherheit uh, wahrnehmen. Right, that's non conceptual. Das ist nicht konzeptuell. Then in the next moment we could cognize it conceptually. Dann könnten wir es uh, diesen im nächsten Moment uh, no, conceptually. Both accurately and decisively. Through the category dog. Right, we see it through this category. So what does that mean? That means that uh, we're not necessarily thinking the sound of the word dog in our heads. Und äh, was äh, bedeutet das nun aber? Es ist nicht äh, unbedingt so, dass wir äh, daran denken, wie das Wort äh, Hund in unserem Kopf äh, lauten würde. To apprehend it conceptually as a dog. Äh, sondern äh, um oh, to, ja, zu In order to, when, what is this like? To apprehend it conceptually as a dog, it's like in our minds, accurately and decisively putting it in the box dog. Nämlich einen Hund konzeptuell genau und mit Sicherheit zu erfassen, besteht darin, in unserem Geist diesen Hund genau in diese Kategorie einzuordnen. As if it truly existed in a box independently of its being just what the label dog refers to. Als ob es unabhängig davon existieren würde, worauf sich die Zuschreibung Hund bezieht. That's what it means, conceptual. Put it in a box. Dog. We do that all the time. We put things in boxes. Especially, you know, good, bad, pretty, not pretty. It's like boxes. As if truly from their own side they were established, is that? No, based on concept. But even so, you know, when the child knows that this is a dog, doesn't mean that the child understands that dogs bite and that dogs have to be taken for a walk and they have to be fed and so on. The child doesn't necessarily understand all the implications of what what's involved with a dog. So that's, that's more than just the decisive, 
threat apprehension. Ja. Why is it so that the child, the children, have already a very fine different reaction to this dog? There are children who are afraid and there are children that are very confident. So there is also an emotion on the side of the child. Mm -hmm. If you could just elaborate. Right. So she's saying that different children will have a different response to uh, a child, uh, to a dog. Some children will be naturally afraid of them, other children will be very comfortable with them. What is this? Also die Frage geht dahingehend, warum verschiedene Kinder verschiedene Reaktionen erzeugen auf einen selben Hund. Und vielleicht neugierig, andere sind vielleicht etwas ängstlich. Woher kommt das? Well, often this is based on a... First of all, the emotion is just a mental factor that's accompanying the cognition. So now you have to analyze a little bit uh, more besides just the emotion that's accompanying the cognition. Also zunächst einmal die uh, emotional uh, die uh, Emotion, die mit dieser uh, Wahrnehmung einhergeht, ist eben bloß ein weiterer geistiger Faktor, uh, eine Emotion, die mit uh, einer gewissen Wahrnehmung einhergeht und wir müssen also etwas weiter prüfen als bloß das. So there is a further concept of threat or a further concept of friend, not a threat that's also the filter through which uh, the child, the baby is perceiving this uh, animal besteht darin nicht eine Gefahr zu sein und äh, dieses, äh, diese Konzepte würden hier als ein weiterer Filter in der Wahrnehmung fungieren. So, das ist Kategorie. Danger, not danger. Animal has that. Danger, not danger. Also das wären weitere Kategorien, die äh, ja auch bei den äh, die auch Tiere also in ihrem Wahrnehmungsprozess haben, so wie Gefahr oder nicht Gefahr. So the question is why perceive this uh, animal in that category does the uh, I mean it's interesting what do you throw into that category of danger do you throw the table into that category do you throw the flower people who are paranoid throw a lot of things into that category und das ist schon interessant sich zu überlegen wie diese zwei Kategorien mit Dingen gefühlt werden also was sagt mir, dass ich eine Sache in die Kategorie Gefahr einordnen kann und eine andere nicht. Warum ist zum Beispiel der Tisch oder die Blume nicht in der Kategorie Gefahr eingeschlossen? Und warum zum Beispiel haben also Leute, die paranoid sind, so viele Dinge in dieser Kategorie Gefahr drin? So, you learn by experience. And because of experience of certain things that are danger, you may label danger onto things that don't really conventionally fit into that category. 
that nobody else would agree that the table is danger, you know, is a danger. Or the color yellow is a danger. Who would agree with that? But you could throw it into, you could perceive it through that category as a danger. If the room is yellow, ooh. <laughs> A bull seeing red. <laughs> It's an interesting example. So, <laughs> and one could learn from experience danger, either in this lifetime or Buddhism would say some previous uh, lifetime, so that it becomes like an instinct. Okay, I'm sure you've heard stories of uh, humans going to an area where humans never have been and the animals aren't afraid of the humans. But then they learn to be afraid of humans. And certain cognitions, I mean cognitions through certain categories will have associated with them certain emotions that uh, accompany it like fear together with uh, danger plus accomplishing awareness, deep awareness the five types of deep awareness five types of yeshe what to do, which is to run away animals know that we'll do the first part first Plus, we know what to do. Run away. The animal knows that. Hmm. So, how do you know that? There are five types of deep awareness. The five types of yeshe is the Tibetan. Mirror-like, just takes in information. Equalizing, puts two things together. Or more things together. Like into a category. Individualizing, it specifies this, it's not anything else, it's this. 
That's individualizing. It's the third type. And then accomplishing, which is basically respond. So you respond, you know, to run away. Respond, food, you know, to stick it in your mouth. Worm knows that. Yeah. And then Dharma Datu or reality, sphere of reality, which is to know what things are, either conventionally or on the deepest level. Well, that's part of how mental activity works it's with these five types of deep awareness. And everybody has that, including the worm. So to call it wisdom is a little bit misleading. Five types of wisdom. Okay, so we have these different steps so far with conceptual. You see the parts, you see the whole, you see what kind of thing it is. And uh, so we see what has characteristics, you know, the characteristic features and what has characteristic features. With equalizing awareness, we can with other things that uh, we've experienced and put it into a category if it's conceptual. And we're perceiving something which is a basis. We're perceiving the basis for labeling and we're seeing what the label refers to. But we could either know the mental label or not know the mental label. And even if we know what it is, if we know the mental label, we know what it is, doesn't mean that we understand it. And we need to understand it, as you said, this experience, experience of being with dogs, taking care of dogs, what's involved. Or we could be taught, our parents tell you, well, dogs have to be taken for a walk, they you know, do this, they do that, don't try to take the bone away from the dog, you know, we learn. So, these stages. So that's conceptual, conceptual apprehension, what's involved, 
You know, not just apprehending it, but knowing what it is, and then understanding it. These are separate. I mean, these are individual. Uh, das so funktioniert eben die uh, konzeptuelle uh, Wahrnehmung uh, in diesen verschiedenen uh, Schritten. Es uh, gibt eben zunächst etwas uh, direkt, uh, zu uh, erfassen, es uh, dann auch als uh, etwas uh, zu erkennen und dann in einem weiteren uh, Schritt kann man das uh, verstehen. Und das sind uh, alles individuelle Prozesse. And when it's a conceptual, when this understanding accompanying conceptual cognition thing is that we are cognizing it through a category, so it's like putting it in a box. The understanding can be the same, whether it's conceptual or non-conceptual. Conceptual or non-conceptual just concerns how we're focusing on the, on the item, on the object. Also diese Unterscheidung von konzeptuellen Wahrnehmung und nicht konzeptuellen Wahrnehmung unterscheidet sich bloß darin, mittels womit wir uns auf einen Gegenstand beziehen. In conceptual category is actually right there. It's arising in our consciousness. They say literally, you know, it arises to the face of the mind. Is how it's said in Tibet. In einer konzeptuellen Wahrnehmung ist es so, dass diese Kategorie im Gesicht des Geistes erscheint. Face of the mind. It's right in front of the face of the mind. This is how it's expressed. In den tibetischen Texten ist davon die Sprache, dass diese Kategorie, was wie im Gesicht des Geistes sich befindet. Period. Okay, so that's conceptual. So let us digest that for a moment. Think about it. And tomorrow we can discuss in a little bit more detail what is actual non-conceptual <coughs> understanding. Right? When a Buddha sees a dog, does a Buddha know that it's a dog? Buddha doesn't perceive the dog through the concept of dog. Our category, but does a Buddhist still know that it's a dog? That's the interesting question. <laughs> How does a Buddha know that it's a dog? But it doesn't put things in categories when uh, Buddha perceives things. It's non-conceptual, not in not putting things in a box. So if we don't put things in boxes with labels, do we still know what things are? That's the interesting question. That's what you have to figure out in order to understand non-conceptual cognition, non-conceptual understanding. You can't say that a Buddha doesn't know, any, know what anything is because a Buddha knows everything non-conceptually. That doesn't make any sense. Es macht keinen Sinn, das so zu verstehen, dass der Buddha nichts mehr richtig weiß oder erkennt, denn ein Buddha hat nicht konzeptuelles Verständnis von allen Dingen. 
It doesn't mean that a Buddha doesn't know what anything is. It's not the same as the baby not knowing that this is a dog. So, what's the difference? That <laughs> try to figure it out. <laughs> That's the challenge. Okay, so let's end with the dedication. We think whatever understanding, whatever positive forces come from this, may it act as a cause to reach for everyone to reach enlightenment for the benefit of us all.